Well, good morning. I'm glad that you are here today to worship the Lord with us. I'm going to ask you to join me as I pray. Uh, just asking for the Lord's anointing today on this service. Father, I pause today just recognizing our need of you and asking you, Father, to speak today uh, as only you can. I pray for the anointing of your Holy Spirit. I pray that your Spirit would speak in a powerful way today. I pray, Father, that you would use my voice to be your voice. May you put your words in my mouth. May we respond to what you say, not as if Keith has said it, but as if you have spoken. And may you receive the honor and the glory today in this service. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. John Gurig was discouraged. He's one of your Southern Baptist missionaries. He had been serving in his country for 16 months. And as he had served in his country for 16 months, he was sharing the gospel, trying probably on, on a daily basis, sharing the gospel over and over and over and over again. But for 16 months, he had shared the gospel and nobody responded. Nobody received Christ. John Gehrig had gone to this East Asia country. I can't tell you where he serves because for security reasons, his name has been changed and we can't tell you the place where he's actually serving, but it's in Southeast Asia. And he went there in 2004 to work with the Iron P People Group. They had no known churches at that time. They had just a handful of believers. And John took his family there. And they used Bible storying, chronological Bible stories. They used other methods. But John said it just seemed like no one was interested. No one was interested. In 2006, John took a group of uh, folks from the United States, volunteers from the United States, to share the gospel in that Iron P country. And as they went to a village, again, they shared the gospel and no one was interested. Nobody responded. The next morning, they decided to go to a new area, and they prayed before they went. As they walked along the mountain path, they met a man who was walking towards them. His name was Solomon. Solomon asked them why they were there. John said, well, we're here just climbing the mountain and trying to learn more about your people's culture. Solomon looked right at John, and he said, well, that mountain mountain behind me is boring. You don't want to go there. But I think you came to see me. John was taken back a little bit. Solomon said, why don't you come to my house? And so John and his team went to Solomon's house. And when they got there, they sat down. They shared the gospel with Solomon. And immediately he prayed to receive Christ. Immediately he trusted Christ as Savior. And then he told them his story. You see, Solomon said that he had known that there was a Most High God. But he didn't know his name. He didn't know how to, how to respond to this God. There was something in creation and something in his conscience that, that helped him understand that there is a Most High God, but he didn't know who he was. So Solomon said, every day he prayed for 20 years this prayer. God, send somebody to me to explain who you are. And he looked at John that day and he said, you are the answer to the prayer I have prayed for 20 years. God has sent you to me so that you could tell me who He is. 
Now think about this. What if John had stayed on his padded pew in America? And think about this. What if we had not paid for John to go there? What if we had not supported John through our giving? Solomon likely would still be waiting. Solomon likely would still be in darkness. Christian theologian Carl Henry said, The gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. So every December at Mount Airy, we focus on international missions. Every December, we think it's a good time for us to kind of push the pause button. We've just come out of Thanksgiving. And we're heading towards a Christmas celebration. And and this is a good time for us as we head into Christmas to reflect a little bit about why we're here and what we're supposed to be doing. As we get ready to celebrate the birth of our Savior, this is a good time to remind ourselves that there are millions of people in the world who do not know He has been born. There are millions of people in the world who have not heard about His birth. They do not know why He came into the world. And many of them don't even know His name. So why did Jesus come into the world? He came for people like Solomon. And he came for people like you and for like me. He came for people who are living in darkness. He came for people who did not have an opportunity to have a relationship with God. He, he came for people who desperately needed light in the world. One of the first followers of Jesus explains this to us very well. If you'll open God's Word to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 12 through 16. Matthew chapter 4. I love to hear those pages turning. Thank you for bringing your Bibles. Following along with me, beginning in verse 12, it says, and John, or Matthew is writing about Jesus as he is beginning his ministry. When Jesus, verse 12, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee, leaving Nazareth, that is, leaving his hometown, leaving where he grew up, leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum. He moved to Capernaum, that became his home. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. Now, why do you suppose he moved from Nazareth to Capernaum? Well, Matthew tells us in the next verse, he did this to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. That is, 750 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah prophesied something. And he prophesied it about Jesus. And he prophesied where Jesus would be living And where his ministry would begin. And here's what he prophesied. Verse 15. Land of Zebulun. Let's start at verse 14. To fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Verse 15. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali. The way to the sea along the Jordan. Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. And here's what he preached. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. 
Matthew was quoting the Old Testament prophet Isaiah to show that Jesus not only came to this world, but he lived in this world with a divine purpose. Jesus came as a light to those who are living in darkness. Isaiah prophesied that 750 years before he came. And now Matthew says, and that's the reason he is here. That's the reason he was born. He is a light living in the darkness. Now that is a key phrase that's used in the Bible to describe the spiritual condition of most of the people in our world today. People living in darkness. In fact, if you have your pen handy, you might want to underline that phrase. Living in darkness. It's right there in in verse 16. Living in darkness. That phrase describes most of the people in our world today. It's a key phrase used in the Bible to describe the spiritual condition of people who do not have a relationship with God. It means to live in sin without a knowledge of who God is and without knowing how to have a relationship with Him. Let me say that one more time. Living in darkness means living in sin without a, a knowledge of who God is or how to have a relationship with Him. Jesus spoke often about the light that He was bringing into our dark world. Put your finger in Matthew, go over to the Gospel of John, chapter 8. John, chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus said, according to that verse, I am the light of what, church? Of the world. I am the light of the world. Now now notice what else he said. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of what? Life. Now, look over in John chapter 12, verse 46. These are just two of many references we could be looking at today. John chapter 12, verse 46. Jesus said, I have come into the world as a light, so that no one, everybody say no one, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. So that no one who believes in me should stay in in darkness. The only way to overcome darkness is with light. That's true in any, in any place that you are. The only way to overcome darkness is with light because darkness is, is in essence the absence of light, right? It's the absence of light. So the only way to overcome darkness is with the presence of light. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the one who can overcome the darkness that is in the world. Now, let let me tell you some good news. In fact, in my class in Anderson, sometimes I say, I got good news and I got bad news. And so I wanted to do that with you today. I got some good news and I got some bad news. Here's the good news. The good news is this. The people who are living in darkness don't have to live that way. There is one who can bring light into their world. That's good news, amen? People, whoever they are, wherever they are, 
The good news is they don't have to live in darkness. Now, that's the good news. Here's the bad news. The bad news is there are millions of people who are living in darkness who do not even know there is a light. They are born, and they live their entire lives, and they die in darkness. And they've never had a chance to even hear that there is a light of the world. I have a report here in my hand. It's from the Global Research Group. Every year they put out a report. I've, I've shared with you a report like this before. This is a new, uh, the most recent report. It, it was updated November 1, 2014. It's their most recent report of the global status of evangelical Christianity. Basically, they list all the unreached, unengaged people groups in the world. And they do that every year. And make a list of the unreached, unengaged people groups in the world. There are 7 billion people in the world today. And 4 billion of those people are unreached groups. Which means that less than 2% of those people groups are Christian. Less than 2% are Christian. That's the definition of an unreached people group. 4 billion people in the world are unreached. Then there are 221 million people who are not only unreached, but they're unengaged. That means nobody really is even targeting them. Nobody is going to them. Nobody is sharing with them. They have no gospel witness. They, they, they have no one telling them about Jesus. 221 million people in the world today. And now to help you understand what all of those numbers mean, this is a report that has, on this one page, I know you can't see, the, see it, but there's 55 different countries areas of the world listed 55 unreached unengaged people groups 55 on this one list i was going to print the whole report for you and show you what the whole report was like but the report is 162 pages long 162 pages long of unreached unengaged people groups in our world And it's just hard for me to imagine because there has never been a time in my life when I did not know about Jesus. And I'm not saying I always knew Jesus, but there was never a time in my life when I didn't know about Jesus. From the day I was born, I was born into a Christian family. My mom, that, that didn't make me a Christian, but my mom and dad were Christians. And from the very first day of, of my life, I had the opportunity to hear about Jesus. I grew up in a church, just, just like probably the majority of you did. It's hard for me to imagine that there's even 55 people groups who are unreached and unengaged, much less 162 pages of people groups who are unreached and unengaged. The IMB estimates that there are 6,500 plus unreached, unengaged people groups in our world. 6,500 people groups in our world spanning billions of people who have yet to even hear that God loves them and some of them have never even heard the name Jesus. So, so when we're talking about unreached, what do you mean? I'm talking about people who have no access to the gospel. Nobody's ever brought it to them like Solomon. Nobody ever came to tell him or tell people who the real God is. They don't have access. Do you know why Jesus did what He did? 
Let's think about that. Why did Jesus come into the world? Matthew tells us. Matthew chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. Look at it real clearly, real closely rather. Matthew chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. The people living in darkness. I hope you've underlined that by now. The people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. And from that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Here's why Jesus came. Jesus came to change lives and to change the size of heaven. He came to change lives. He was the light coming into a dark world. And He came to change the size of heaven. He was preaching, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus came and did what He did to change lives and to change the size of heaven. From the very opening of his ministry to the very end of his days, that was what he was about. And early in his ministry, he gave his disciples the same assignment. Go over one page. If you're in Matthew, go over one page to chapter 5. You probably need to turn the page. Matthew chapter 5 in verse 14. Here's what Jesus said. You are the what, church? You. Are the light of the world. To which we would say, no, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought you said you are the light of the world. I mean, it makes more sense, Jesus, for you to say you are the light of the world. In fact, that's very comforting for, to, to know that you are the light of the world. I like to be able, I like knowing you are the light of the world. And Jesus said, I know that I am, but if you're going to be a follower of me, then that makes you the light of the world too. You see, that puts responsibility on us, doesn't it? Then we have to be concerned about those who are dark, in darkness. Then we have to be mindful of the fact that, listen to this, Jesus didn't come just to be our light. He said, you are the light of the world. He has given us the assignment to do what he did when he was here. You see, the goal of your life ought to be very, very simple. To see lives changed and to change the size of heaven. Because like Jesus, you are the light of the world too. So that's why every December we need to be reminded that we have a purpose as a church. Every December we need to be reminded that there are millions and millions of people who are headed to hell because they have not heard the words, joy to the world, the Lord has come. They don't know that song. And they don't know the one the song is about. They don't know that good news. They're still living in darkness. And no one has told them about the light. Let me give you one overwhelming example of what I'm talking about. Let's think for a few minutes about the country of India. One billion, with a B, one billion people live in India. About one-seventh of the world's population live in that one country. To help you understand how crowded that country is and how diverse that country is, do you have any idea how many people would have to have in America in order to have that many people per square mile that they have in India? Uh, someone much smarter than me figured it out. And, and let me tell you, he said, well, to begin with, if you want to, to know what it feels like to live in India... 
take everybody that lives on the western part of the United States, everybody that lives west of the Mississippi in the United States, and move them to the east side of the Mississippi. Everybody that lives in Texas and Colorado and South Dakota, North Dakota, California, New Mexico, uh, Washington State, move, move all of those people from the western side of, of the Mississippi to the east side of Mississippi, and you haven't even started to know what it feels like to live in India. And then you need to double the population. Just take everybody that moved from the west to the east side of the Mississippi, double the population, and you still haven't really even started yet. Take everybody that lives in Canada and move them south into the eastern part of the United States, and you're still not there. And then he said you need to take everybody that lives in Mexico and move them north to the eastern part of the United States, and you still are not there. He said, you, what you need to do now is take everybody that lives in all of Central America and move them north to the eastern part of the United States. And still, you haven't hit the target yet. Now you need to take everybody that lives in South America. Brazil, Venezuela, all the, Colombia, all the countries, the entire continent. Move everybody that lives in the entire continent of, Af- of South America and move them to the eastern side of the United States. Put all of those people together, and that's the number of people that live in India. Do you feel crowded yet? Now, not only have you moved all of those people, one billion people, to the eastern part of the United States, but that one billion people now speaks all kinds of different languages. You thought Powdersville English was hard. They speak all kinds of different languages. They have all kinds of different religions. They have all kinds of different thoughts and backgrounds and cultures. And now you get a pretty good idea of what it's like for the religious and the ethnic diversity in India, where one billion people live on that continent, it's the most lost place on the world in the world by population. And listen to this, and most of those people are living in darkness. Most of those one billion people crowded into that country don't know Christ. They don't know the gospel. They don't know the, the, the carol, Silent Night. Most of them are in darkness. And if you understand the Great Commission like I understand the Great Commission, I believe that God is saying, and you have the responsibility to be a light to those people. God's desire is that we would leave our little circle of light and carry that light to the dark places of the world. I didn't think I'd get an amen for that one. Because it's not comfortable to think about that. That God's desire is that we leave our little circle of light at Mount Airy Baptist Church and take the gospel to the darkest places of the world. Maybe I can put it to you this way. God did not make Mount Airy strong so that we can be proud. God made Mount Airy strong so that we can fulfill the Great Commission. God made Mount Airy strong so we can be a light in the dark places of the world. Thankfully, we've got some folks that are doing that. I'm not trying to lift them up or make them feel uncomfortable. Doug and Jennifer Lawson are here today. is their last Sunday. They're getting ready to leave. I think it's tomorrow going back to Uganda. They've been here on vacation for a little while. And now they're going back to Uganda. So thankful for for their willingness to take their two boys and go to Uganda and take the gospel to a dark place in the world. 
And we've got other missionaries in other countries doing the very same thing. Because of our giving to the, to the uh, Light of Moon Christmas offering, IMB missionaries are scattered around the world. 4,900 plus IMB missionaries scattered around the world, taking the light to the dark places of the world. In fact, you want some good news. Let me give you some good news. Last year, our missionaries shared the gospel 1,700,000 times. And out of those times of sharing the gospel, 235,000 people came to faith in Christ. 141 new people groups have been engaged. 141 people groups that were on this list of 162 pages. 141 new people groups have been engaged because of our Southern Baptist missionaries that you support through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Every penny that you give helps to send those 4,900 plus missionaries to the dark places of the world. That's why on the Sunday before Christmas, we're going to take up a Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And that offering, our goal is $51,000. And the reason for that goal is because that's what it costs to put a missionary on the field. And I believe with God's help and God's grace, we ought to, we need to put another missionary on the field. So we can have another light where it's very, very dark. There's a group of people I just found out about this week, and I really am encouraged to know about him. It's a group of young people that go to Midwestern Baptist College. Midwestern Baptist College have, has a program where they take their college students and allow them to go one year to some place in the world in a partnership with the International Mission Board. And this, this program is called Fusion. These people are trained for six months, then they go to... Uh, another part of the world for six months. They often travel to physically challenging or high, secure, high security areas around the world. And every participant in Fusion, these college students, every participant in Fusion has to memorize and live out what they call the Fusion Creed. It's a wonderful creed you might want to adopt. Listen to what it says. As a follower of Christ, I am called not to comfort or to success, but to obedience. Consequently, my life is to be defined not by what I do, but by who I am. Henceforth, I will proclaim His name without fear, follow Him without regret, and serve Him without compromise. Thus, to obey is my objective. To suffer is expected. His glory is my reward. Therefore, to Christ alone be all power, all honor, all glory that the world may know. Amen. Just saw Andy Humphreys over here to my right. You may or may not know his parents are in another part of the world right now in a very dangerous part of the world as IMB missionaries. Still not sure where God is going to have them, but they've, got, they've been moved around because of Ebola and different things, and, and, and still they're, they're in a, uh, an uncertain, unsettled time, but they're still out there trying to find a place where they can be a light in darkness. They're, they're in a very risky situation right now, but they're there being a light in the darkness. My question is this. Would you be willing? Would you be willing to pray a prayer something like this? Dear God. Dear God. How can I be a light? In this dark world. And I don't know what that means for you. Maybe God's calling somebody else to missions. Maybe God's going to allow you to 
to give a lot of money to our offering. Maybe God's going to allow you to go on a mission trip. I don't know what it might be. Dear God, how could I be a light in darkness? You remember Solomon? The day that Solomon got saved, all kinds of neighbors came around his house and they were listening to what he and John, the missionary, were talking about. And Solomon interrupted John. He said, people, I want you to listen to me. I've got a story to tell you. And he started preaching. Solomon, the brand new Christian, he started preaching to the people who gathered around his house, telling them how God has, who he did not know, that God had sent somebody to tell him who God is. And then Solomon began to tell those people who God is. Within a few uh, weeks, Solomon had led his wife and one of his children to faith in Christ. The witch doctor in the community heard about Solomon and, and the changes that were happening in his life. And the witch doctor said, if you don't shut up and if you don't deny your faith, I'm going to put a curse on you and you're going to die in three days. Solomon did not shut up. He continued to tell his neighbors about Jesus. And on the fourth day when it was evident he was not going to die, the people in the community came to see Solomon. Solomon said, I want to tell you, Who's made the difference? I want to tell you about this God that I came to know. His name is Jesus. He's a light in a dark world. And Solomon told about Christ. And 60 of those people in that neighborhood, no, 80 of those people in that village came to faith in Christ. And then the word got out to some other villages. They came to talk to Solomon as well. They said, we heard that the witch doctor cursed you and yet you still live. Tell us about the God that you know. Solomon told about the God that he knows. Uh, 60 people came to faith in Christ that day. Now, a few years later, there are, let me get my, fa my facts right. Now, there are 28 churches that Solomon has started. Over 3,000 believers now in that area. Because, because a man named John got off his padded pew and said, I'll be a light in a dark world. And you help send him there. wonder who the next John is. Because I do know this for sure. There are plenty of Solomons still out there. Millions of them. Millions of them. Who do not know that there is a light as they sit in darkness. They've never heard his name. I want you to bow your heads with me. I don't know what God may call you to do today. For some of you, it might simply be that it might be that God has spoken to your heart and you recognize that, you know, your name's not Solomon and you don't live in East Asia, but, but you're sitting in darkness as well. You're living in darkness. And Jesus Christ can be the light in your world, the light in your life. You can step out of the darkness into the light when you trust in Christ as your Savior, believing that He died on the cross for you and asking Him into your life. I'm going to ask you in this invitation, perhaps, for you to come and receive Christ. Maybe somebody here today is dealing with a call to missions and God has just put that on your heart. God, you know God is calling you today. It's so evident that you need to be a John to go to the millions of Solomons somewhere in the world. We want you to have that freedom to respond and say, yes, I surrender. No retreat, no regrets, no reserves.
I surrender. What else God might be speaking to your heart about, I don't know, but you do. I want you to feel free to respond, come to this altar. We, we offer this as your opportunity. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you, first of all, there was a day at 11 years old when I stepped out of darkness into light. And I pray that if there's anybody here in this service and they don't know you personally, they've never experienced the light of the world, may they do it today. Help us to be a church that is seeking to change lives and to change the size of heaven. Help us be a light up to the world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.